Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferris 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. Of course, Ferris 64 is the one-stop shop for all your video game news, occurrences, first impressions, reviews, etc. So I hope everyone's having a good week and or good day. Whatever day you're listening to this, I hope it's a good one. Uh, we got we got news to cover, we got shows to cover, we got games to cover. All this good stuff coming together today. So, uh, if you want to join me on that adventure, let's go ahead and start off with our first part of the show, which is what was revealed at that gaming show. Alright, as you may or may not know, there was a Nintendo Direct Mini, which was a partner showcase that aired uh, June... 2022, I forget which day it specifically was, I'm sure it doesn't matter in the long run, but I believe it was on the 29th or 30th, I don't remember, I don't remember, I'm just a lowly old man, maybe it was, maybe it was on Tuesday, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter, and you get to this, get to the news, Yemi, stop faffing about, so it started off with a pretty lengthy, uh, um, gameplay showcase for the new DLC for Monster Hunter Rise, which is called Sunbreak. I've, I'm not a Monster Hunter fan, so obviously this didn't really do much for me personally, but, um, you know, with the game, or the DLC coming out so soon, um, it's, you know, obviously they're gonna start with something like this to kind of hype it up a little bit more before it's released. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are very, very excited about this, um, and it seems to be a pretty big package. It's not just like a, a rinky-dink, you know, here's a one extra monster. I mean, there's a lot going on here. So if you want to check that out, uh, it is, uh, you know, DLC, obviously, coming. Uh, it's Actually, it's already out now. It's It, it came, it, it, it released on June 30th. And I believe there is a demo if you want to try it out. Um, there's also like a deluxe edition for the DLC, too. Um, and if you get a, if you pre-ordered it, you would also get like a, some costumes for your dog and cat that's in the game but obviously that has passed since they released on june 30th uh, also uh, nintendo revealed that near automata or autonoma whichever way you want to say it uh the end of yora edition is coming to switch um near automata or automata whichever you want to say um obviously it's a pretty pretty big game lots of people love this game you know it, it follows these two androids who are taking out these rogue machines and you know it's got a little bit of bullet hell in there got a little platforming got a little hack and slash um obviously you have to play through the game like two times to get the true ending right you, you play through it once as i think her name's 2b and the other one's like 2, two or 9s i, I apologize <laughs> um yeah i mean i played the demo of this game a long time ago when it originally came out. I didn't think it was bad, but, you know, it's just... It's one of those games It's like, it's not really my cup of tea. I mean, maybe in the... some Sometime in the future, if it's, like, free on a, a service like PlayStation Plus or Xbox, um, maybe I'll, I'll give it a, a real try. Um, but, 
yeah, you know, lots of fans of this series. You know, glad it's finally come to the Switch for those people. There are a few, like, unique costumes and stuff coming to the Switch version. I think there's also, like, a new area to explore, too. Um, unfortunately, the the version of the trailer on this page is the Japanese version, so, so all I can go is off of visuals and what I remember from the English version, but what you're going to do. Um, but yes, uh, Nier Automata, or Automata, whichever you want to say, it's coming later this year. Uh, a game called Lorelei and the Laser Eyes had a short trailer. Um, looks like a murder mystery type thing. Very interesting art style. Uh, can't really say much other than that. It's like a black and white kind of puzzle first person at times. It seems to be a combination of several different uh, like gaming styles. So you got your top down, you got your first person, you got your etc, etc. But that's not coming till next year. So let me also preference what the rest of the show by saying, at the beginning, they said that this was, this was all games coming later this year. And when you mean later this year, you mean, you know, 2022. But I believe there was three or four games that were slated to come out in 2023, which really doesn't make sense to me that they had them in here, but whatever. All right, Super Bomber, Bomberman R2 is coming out in 2023. Just hammering it home that uh, that statement I just had. Um, obviously, it's just it's a it's a Bomberman game. They just recently shut down the servers for Super Bomberman R, the like the free to play version. Uh, but there is a new castle mode. There you, uh, I don't know, try to get the key and collect the treasure. Obviously, there's battle modes, ex exploration modes, boss battle modes, stuff like that. Uh, it's coming 2023 if you're interested in Bomberman. Uh, Mega Man Battle Network Co Legacy Collection. I believe these games were originally on, like, the Game Boy Advance or something, right? Um, they had, like, turn-based combat and stuff like that. Uh, this collection uh, includes a, a filter mode. You can turn on the filter or turn off the filter to give you a... Um, the feel of the original version. Uh, this includes Mega Man Battle Network 1, 2, 3, 3... There's, for some reason, there's blue and white versions of 3. There's two different versions of 3. There's two different versions of 4, two different versions of 5, and two different versions of 6. So all 10 games you can play, um, and that's coming in 2023 as well. There's going to be a physical and digital version uh, volume 1 and 2 will be available separately in digital form, but you can buy all 10 games physically in the, on the same cartridge, it seems. And that's also coming to PlayStation and Steam, if you want to check that out on different platforms. A surprise announcement during the show was that Pac-Man World Repack was announced. This is a PS1-era game that I've been interested in trying out. Um, and this will obviously get me to jump on it. Uh, it's a 3D slash 2D platformer for uh, for Pac-Man. I'm just really interested in it. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know much about this series, but I just know that like it looks like my cup of tea. So I'm very interested in, in, in this. It's coming August 26th to pretty much every system, so you don't need to pick and choose. Um, there's also a Chrome Noir Ch Chogokin bundle. <laughs> That includes a statue of like the 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 noir Pac-Man robot with a bunch of the ghosts around it. Um, that seems to be a, a, a pretty insane bundle. 
And then you'll also get the Pac-Man Chrome Noir skin in the game as DLC for free. So there you go. A game called Blank is coming out later this year. Uh, this is like a co-op puzzle platformer um, where one person is a deer and the other person is some sort of dog. Um, I like the dynamic between the two characters. Obviously, one is like jet black and the other is like a white doe. Um, very interesting art style. Uh, kind of like looks like it's hand drawn with a pencil, you know, and, and shaded with, you know, whatever. Um, very, very nice music as well. I also like the transition from the game to the title. Uh, a very interesting transition. Um, they said that the game was co-op and it's coming in February 2023. Uh, but there is, you can also play solo as well. So you could have an AI control your partner in that as well. So if you want to check that out, February 2023. Return the Monkey Island has been turning heads. Uh, this is a long-standing series that I think it's been a been a hot minute since uh, the last entry. Um, but this game is going to take place, or it's going to pick up the the story um, with the original actors coming in to voice the characters and a different kind of art style for the game, as as the games do have. Um, I believe, I mean, it, it's a point-and-click kind of adventure game. It looks like in this instance, uh, there was a Telltale-esque game. Uh, not too long. I mean, I guess it was a couple years ago now uh, where it was more like a Telltale game, a little bit more straightforward. This one seems like it is hang, you know, kind of going back to more of the point-and-click puzzle adventure that the series originally started on, but uh, we'll see once there's more information about that. But Return to Monkey Island is coming 2022, and it's a console exclusive for the Switch. You'll still be able to play it on Steam, but it will be a console exclusive for the Switch. Marion Rabbids Sparks of Hope obviously had a showing at the showcase. <laughs> uh, didn't I mean? Did it really show off anything new? I mean, it just it kind of showed off a little bit more of how the combat's gonna work and how you can you can freely move around the area and and do tricks and moves and stuff like that with characters. Um, I wasn't like a super fan of the original Marion Rabbids game. Obviously, it's been a a while since I've played it. Um, so maybe I'll I'll pick it up for cheap and and try it out again before this comes out. Um, but this is coming October twentieth. It officially has a release date now, and it seems like you know it seems like they've they've changed enough of the combat to uh, maybe lure some some new players in. Uh, the uh, the other game was very much a turn based like you know you have like three moves for your character two movement moves and a, and a, and a firing move or whatever you know uh, this one definitely looks like it's more free running or roaming around and it looks like they're really embracing the mario galaxy aspect of it uh, because you get star bits from enemy kills uh, and it seems like every character also has one of those um those those the, the sparks uh, what they're called um so yeah if, if you want to check that out the trailer is obviously up on nintendo's website and you can pre-order the game now mario and rabbit sparks of hope all right, uh, next up, Little Noah, Scion of Paradise. Uh, this is just a casual roguelite. Uh, it's like a, what is it, 2D, 2D side-scrolling roguelite um, where you can use, uh, like, forms of animals to attack enemies. Uh, we've seen similar games to this before in the past, obviously. Um, if you're a fan of this, you know, it does have a different art style than than most. Um, I'm not really, like, I, th I think I'm kind of turned off by the, uh, the art style, um, but, uh, you know, you can use your own discretion when you watch the trailer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much just a 2D, uh, roguelite. 
also, a game called Railgrade is coming to Switch. I don't think it's coming to other consoles right now. Maybe, maybe Epic Store, it says. Um, but this is actually, you know, you go, oh, it's just a train game, right? Well, yeah, I guess it's kind of just a train game, but it's also, like, kind of really catching my eye. I don't know if it's already available on other platforms or not, but uh, it's uh, this is a railway management simulator coming out in fall for the Switch. Um, let me just read through some things. Effortless construction tools to instantly build and manage an intricate ne network of interconnected railway routes, create efficient supply chains, customize your trains, optimize your train setup, control the flow of resource production, invest in the growth of your cities, admire your fleet of trains with cinematic view mode, and help restore prosperity to the industrial colony across a single-player campaign with over 50 missions. Um, just the kind of like chaos that looks like it's unfolding on on this game is, is actually quite kind of cool. The only thing I gotta say is in the demo itself, when things were all kind of running in motion on the Switch, I'm guessing this is Switch gameplay. You could tell the frame rate was a little bit worse for wear. Um, but but I will say that it looks really really fun. I'm not usually a management simulator type person, but. You know, it kind of reminds me of that mini motorways game that I was talking about before, except you got trains. And I there was a tr there was a train game called like Train Valley Two or whatever that I, that I played a while ago. It was kind of a meme on the channel, but it was actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think I might I might try this out. I'll I'll check out and see if it's on other platforms because I'm not gonna you know the Switch is not my first place to to think about playing these kinds of games. The only the only other thing I I have criticism about is uh. There's a blimp in the trailer. <laughs> there's a there's a literal blimp in the trailer. All right, next up, RPG Time: The Legend of Right. Uh, this is a really interesting kind of uh, game where you play as a child who is like creating his own Dungeons and Dragons adventure, um, using like coloring pencils and stuff like that. It's time to create your adventure. So it seems like there's a lot of really, really well done handmade, uh, you know, like graphics and stuff like that. Um, the really cool thing is like you look at the UI, I kind of pause the UI during the, during the video. And like, there's some parts that look like those beads that you hot, that you like, um, melt together, you know, um, there's some cardboard there's obviously his notebook that's opened up. There's like a, a phone or an MP3 player on the right magnifying glass erasers, pencils, uh, a yard, uh, a ruler or whatever, you know, like a bunch of really fun stuff. Um, kind of reminds me of that game that they just announced at the game, um, the summer games event that where you were like in a book and you had the, you escaped the book. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little more, it's a little bit different. It's a, it's a, it's an RPG notebook game. I definitely want to check this out when it comes out. Uh, and it's supposed to come to PS4 and Switch on the 18th of August and Steam on the 13th of September. And I would, I would recommend checking out the trailer for this one. Sonic Frontiers unfortunately had a trailer. And I say the words unfortunately because the Switch version looks terrible. <laughs> what can I say? Um... You know, they're showing these sections where he's running up a building, and the building's, like, rendering in as he runs up it. Or, you know, you look at the the, the areas around Sonic, and it just doesn't look good, you know? Um, I think this kind of hurts the game a little bit more than helps the game. I mean, it's, it's cool that it's coming to Switch, you know, but you can tell that Sega and the developers focused more on the PS5 and Xbox versions over 
the Switch version because it definitely takes a bit of a dive from that version that we saw at the Summer Games Fest. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, it, it's just it's 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 easy to nitpick this kind of thing because we have games like Breath of the Wild and and all these like Mario Odyssey and these big open world games on the Switch and those look great. And then you see something like you know Sonic Frontiers coming in 2022 and it just doesn't look amazing on the Switch. So. I guess if there's any version that you want to try portably, get a Steam Deck, I guess. But yeah, I, I wasn't impressed by the, the stuff they showed off, and there was nothing new revealed in here anyway. Disney's Dreamlight Valley. Um, so this is like a uh, Animal Crossing, but it's Disney, essentially. You help Disney characters in this little village to get their cheer back or whatever, and you can you know create houses and and stuff for them. Uh, it's it's Disney themed, so there's all those fun characters that you know and love, like Donald Duck, Scrooge McDuck, uh, Mickey Mouse, Chip and Dale. I think we're in there. Goofy, Elsa and her sister, Moana. Um, just a bunch of bunch of characters from all different Disney properties. So, oh, even Scar, even Scar was in there, uh, and Ursula. So you can actually befriend villains or or uh, good characters like Wally and. And Olaf. Uh, looks like you can go fishing. You can, you know, obviously cook with Remy, which is really fun or, or looks fun. Um, so if you're a Disney fan, maybe a Disney Disney person, probably going to be a good game for you to try out. The only caveat is that it's an early access game on September 6th. So it's going to be technically early access. I don't know what that exactly means. Uh, obviously, they're going to be adding more to this game as it goes along in its lifespan, but... Let's let me just say it's kind of weird that they're early accessing uh, this this game. Just kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, Live alive got a new trailer, um, and also there's a demo available that that the the progress will transfer to the official version of the game when that launches. If you want to check that out, um, there was a bit of a montage. The whole bunch of different games in there, like Minecraft, Legends, Dragon Quest. Um, game called Captain Velvet Meteor, and it all ended with Portal Companion Collection being revealed to be releasing the same day as the Direct, so if you want to, you can you can download both Portal games on the Switch now. It's been a long time coming, but, uh, you know, I, you know it, it's it's here. You know, if you haven't played Portal yet, probably a, probably a great time to, to play it. <laughs> it. I mean, I think the game is only like, I think for the Companion Edition, it's only like 20 bucks or something like that. Even though on Steam right now you can get them for since it's a summer sale right now, you can get them for like two bucks. So if you want to play it on Switch, you can. Uh, but there are other platforms that you can play that game on. But you know, it's up to you. It's up to you. And they ended the show with Persona, uh, obviously being revealed for the Switch. Persona Five, the Royale Edition, is going to be launching first with the fourth game and third game coming uh, at later dates, kind of like how it is on uh, the Xbox and, and PC, I believe. Um, but yes, uh, October 21st is when Persona 5 Royale is going to be releasing, and then the other versions are coming soon. Um, it is actually a physical version for Persona 5, which is nice for people who, who like physical editions. This was obviously another long-time-coming type thing, um, and it, it just, this, this reveal does kind of lose a bit of its weight because the series was just launched on Steam too. So, 
you know, it's like, okay, would you rather play it portably on the Switch or on the on the Steam Deck? I know Steam Decks are a little bit harder to get right now, but you know, honestly, if if I had both of them, which I do, I would rather get the this game on the Steam Deck and play on the Steam Deck than get play the Switch version. But that's just me personally. Um, I believe these games are coming to Xbox Game Pass too. So you know, if you want to check them out before committing. You can also go over to Xbox Game Pass when they're available and try them out there. Um, but uh, in general, this the showcase, um, it, I mean, it has a lot of good stuff in here. Don't get me wrong. It's just not a lot of it was like for me uh, personally. Uh, I think the things that did catch my eye, like the train game, like Monkey Island, um, like the RPG game and stuff like that, Pac-Man, uh, you know, those things were in there and I enjoyed seeing those things. Um, but there was a lot of focus on on games that I wasn't like super big on, like, you know, Monster Hunter and Persona and Nier Automata and, you know, Bomberman and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, for me, it was kind of like a mid kind of mini uh, direct. Um, obviously, since it is a mini direct, there's nothing like gonna, there's obviously not going to be anything huge in here. Um, and there were a few things leaked beforehand. And the other thing was, too, that this wasn't a premiere. It was a actual video that they uploaded without premiering. So the fun factor of just kind of like watching through it is kind of a little bit lost when you're not going with a live audience or something like that. Um, you know, and, and a lot of things were kind of like spoiled while I was watching it just because of, you know, Twitter notifications and stuff like that. So, you know... Um, it was fine. I don't really want to rate it because it's not like a full direct, but if I was going to rate it, probably like a five or a six out of 10, you know, I wasn't like super interested in a lot of things that they showed off, but there was enough in there for me and for, you know, the people, and I'm, I am happy for the people who did enjoy it. So, you know, there you go. All right. <laughs> Has Yummy pissed off anybody today? We'll find out later, <laughs> later in the afternoon. All right, <clears throat> let's move on to the other, the next section of the podcast, which is what have I been playing this past week? Okay, obviously the first thing to talk about is the Delicious Last Course DLC for Cuphead. Um, obviously, it's a expansion on the original game that kind of it, it definitely it, it keeps the same style, which is why they took so long to make it. Uh, but I mean, I'm one to believe that the that the music is actually a little bit better than the original game in a lot of ways. Um, but that's just me. I think the music in the original game is also very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But the music in in this game in, in this uh, DLC is like really, really good, as opposed to just really good. You know, what I'm saying. That being said, the uh, the boss fights and stuff you go through are much more difficult than the original game. I think the hardest bosses on the original game didn't even come close to some of the bosses that are in the, the, the DLC here. I mean, just this gnome boss alone has taken me like 50 tries to even get to the third phase because there's just so much going on on the screen. And I would say that that is a bit of a detriment is it's not as it doesn't seem as finely tuned as the original game. You know, the original game, there were some bosses in there that did have a good amount of stuff going on. Don't get me wrong, but they it all seemed pretty um, doable, you know, and when I'm playing against, you know, these bosses like the, there's one where there's like a horse inside of a house or a train or whatever. Not even, maybe not a horse. What is it? 
Ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. A cow, a cow, a cow inside of a, uh, of a of a moving train, and you're in the airplane, and there's just so much going on just in that first phase alone. You got the horse, the cow, <laughs> the cow doing things like throwing lassos at you, and then you got these vultures that come by at the top and they throw dynamite down, and then there's like fireballs randomly on the screen, and a cactus throw being, being you know, moved in from the side, and I don't know. There's just something about that. Just saying that. I mean, obviously, it's doable. People have obviously done it without being hit too. A, you know, that's the A plus type stuff right there. Um, obviously, it's doable. But yes, obviously, it's much more difficult than the original game. So if you're going into this DLC and you're you're like me, who was like, I played through Cuphead. It was a great time. Love the game. But goddamn, did I struggle on that. Well, this DLC is definitely going to ramp up that difficulty. And if you're also like me and haven't played the game since you originally played it about a year ago, um, you're going to have to do a little bit of relearning. And uh, that's kind of been like the main struggle for me right now. It's kind of relearning my kind of like skill at the game. Obviously, it takes a lot of precision jumping and platforming along with the shooting and stuff like that and using your supers and etc. But I think once I get, you know, once I get through all that, you know, relearning, um, I'll be able to get through the bosses. Um, right now, uh, I've gotten past two bosses um, and two of the knight's challenges or the king's challenges. And the king's challenges, they, they take away your weapons and stuff like that and give you enemies to face. So the first one is like a bunch of like chess pieces they and you have to knock their heads off and they get faster as you go um the second one is this is this dorky horse boss that takes way too long to complete but it was kind of fun i guess um you have to parry his his like fur on the back of his head or whatever his hair on the back of his neck um it just took way too long but it only took me like three tries but those three tries is like five minutes long each you know it's like okay come on um I got past the, uh, the, the, the gang. There's like four or five like insect based bosses that you fight. And, and it's like, it's like a game. It's like a boss rush. I really enjoyed that. And it does set the stage well for what to expect in the rest of, um, in the rest of the, the fights, you know, um, there's a lot of just like a bunch of bullshit on the screen at the same time. You know, there's there's bees flying or bugs or flies or whatever you want to say. Bugs everywhere. Ants doing little ant sprays that shoot projectiles at you. Um, the spider's throwing this caterpillar that bounces around on the screen. He le he's leaving bombs everywhere for the trip you up. In the next phase, you know, it's it's a uh, it's like the ant queen and she's dancing to a record player that sometimes she like has like these lasers that hurt you that come out of the music notes when, and the cool thing is that the music gets distorted when it does that. So it's also got a good amount of audio cues in there as well. At the same time, there's enemies running across below and above the screen. And then once you beat her, a big anteater destroys the, uh, the set and you got to dodge his tongue and he'll bring in these like fighting bugs to, that can, that bounce around on the screen, like the DVD logo on your screensaver. And then after that, after you beat the um, after you beat the anteater for the first time in the series, I'm pretty sure it does a fake knockout screen, and uh, you have to defeat the snail that's underneath the anteater's head. I mean hat. I'm sorry, hat. Uh, which you know obviously can kind of <laughs> kind of screw you up. You know you think that the knockout happened, and then the then the snails right there that try and shoot you a couple times, but the snail goes down in like five hits, so it's not even that big of a deal. But it does set the stage for how difficult and crazy 
the this um this DLC is going to be. Right now, I've been trying to use that laser shooter, uh, but I've I've gone back to the um the like the the close the close up one. I forget what it's called right now. The close up one and the um uh the tracker shot. And I know the tracker shot does less damage, but it's so much more easier to like be jumping around on these maps as crazy as you are and take a little bit longer to kill an enemy than, you know, just, just, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get a strategy down for these bosses and it, it's tough. You know, it, it is tough. You know, it, it's got, you got, you got to have some skill to get through this stuff, you know? And I, I do think that I have that skill obviously. Um, but I just haven't, I just haven't gotten down the right combination of weapons to use. Um, there are some new, uh, new ways to shoot enemies, of course. One of them being the new laser beam, uh, which shoots off three lasers in any direction. One of the new things about the DLC is some of these laser beams have special abilities. So when you hold down the aim button, it'll actually tighten the spread of shots. So it's not as wide, um, which can give you a little bit extra damage on, on some enemies. Uh, there's another one that's called the twister that, that shoots up. And if you use this, your special ability, it will uh, release a tornado or whatever that, that goes across the screen. Um, pretty interesting. And then there's also the um, uh, the one that I want to use, but I haven't gotten enough money to use it yet. Uh, what is it called? The crack shot. Um, essentially, it has a very powerful straight shooter um, that if you miss your enemy, it'll actually uh, have a ricochet shot go towards where the enemy was. So there's a lot of instances where you really want to use that. I've been thinking about using the roundabout on the gnome boss. I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet because, you know, I kind of got burnt out the the first day that I was playing. But I will get back on it and I will uh, take take you know take another stab at uh, or another shot at uh, taking out these enemies. Um, the other thing that the DLC introduces is, of course, um, chalice. And the goofy thing is that Chalice uh, can only be playable when you equip a specific charm to your character. So, you know, she has like a double jump. She has like a dashing parry and stuff like that. So, you know, she definitely has a different moveset that will change up the gameplay. Uh, personally, I don't know if like her moves are going to actually help get through the bosses easier. I, I just I just feel like playing as Cuphead or Mugman with the uh, smoke ability, the, the smoke dash is going to be better than anything that Chalice has. But, you know, you're, 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 it's fair game to try. I mean, I haven't really played much with her. But I think that she's a, a fine character. I think she's a good addition. She's different than the other two characters, which is good, you know. Um, what else? Uh, I think I think that's really it. I mean, there, there is a secret boss in there that you have to kind of get to. Um, which I have not, I mean, I've seen the boss, but I haven't gone against it yet, obviously, because I haven't gotten that far in the game, but, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think that the, there's a lot of good ideas in here with the designs for the characters. I just think there's a bit of a, a slip up on, on the execution of, like, making it more of a bullet hell than, than, a, like, a boss rush type thing. You know, the, the bullet hell stuff was in the last game, you know, especially with that cuckoo bird inside the birdhouse, but, you know, even then, like, it wasn't, like, random how it was, how everything acted, you know, like, it, it, you, you, you still could get the patterns down, whereas with these new bosses, it's not much, it's not much of a pattern, but more of just, like, random chance, and I don't enjoy that as much, you know what I'm saying, but we'll see how I feel once I get through this, the, you know, the, the bosses and stuff like that, so, uh, let's talk about something else. 
that was that was the last uh, that was the delicious last course for Cuphead talk right there. The quarry, oh the quarry! You had I had such high hopes for you. I'm more than halfway through the game now, and it's just the same old schlock. One of the biggest criticisms I have for Madame Medan and other games that came from Supermassive Games, which is the people behind this one, was just the fact that it was way too predictable. There was there really was a limited amount of choice that you could actually do to change the outcome of things until the end. And I don't like that kind of thing. You know, until Dawn came around during the early PS4 days, and that was brilliant. That was amazing, you know? It had just enough choice in there. You could get you could get you could get characters killed, you could get you could save characters. There was a good amount of choice. Almost uh, immediately, uh, but not really immediately, immediately. I mean, obviously, they, they had to get you past like the first few chapters. But it was enough that I was like, yeah, this is great, you know? And towards the end, things get really insane. And the quarry... <sighs> it's just too predictable. Like, come on. I don't want to, like, super spoil things for people who want to play the game still, but... If you know Until Dawn, then you know the quarry. It's literally the same-ish story. Very, very similar. You got an enemy who's actually kind of helping you. You have a you know a, a strange Wendigo type care, you know enemy that 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 is hunting you down. You know there there are choices to make in there, and yes, some of them can lead to character deaths and stuff like that, but not super early on. It's it's very it's very much middle to end kind of, you know, choice making that that actually dictates that kind of thing. And like I said, that just like, you know, the 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 way that it's presented is just it's it's very much until dawn. It's almost like they were like, well, people aren't really enjoying these, you know, this this uh and that this dark dark pictures anthology. Uh, so let's try and do something more akin to Until Dawn, but they've they've leaned too heavily into it and it's just too it's too easy to predict what's going to happen, you know? Also, there's some, like, non-choices in there as well, you know, like, there's one part where you're like, oh, should you open up the trap, you know, the, the door to go up into the treehouse that has a guy banging on it, or do you uh, open up the duffel bag with equipment and take the equipment out of it? And it's like, of course, duh, open up the, the duffel bag and take the equipment. Um, and, and then they didn't give me a choice. They just had me open the trap door and release the monster. And it's like, this is stupid. If I was in this situation, I wouldn't have done that. And I don't think this, this girl, I don't think she's stupid. She wouldn't have done that either. Yeah. Equip yourself. Sure. Good idea. But open up the trap door where st that something's banging on it. You're not sure what it is. Bullshit. Bullshit. Give me the option to not do that. Oh, but we can't because, you know, we have these really cool set pieces where you're just Pressing up or down on the fucking joystick. Yeah, that's another thing. Quick time events with a joystick, fucking stupid. Okay, fucking stupid. It's easier than Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures Anthology games. You don't have to. You don't have to pay attention to what button. You just have to pay attention to what direction to move the stick. It's really, really easy. The only thing that's not as easy in the game is the new not you know don't breathe sections where you have to hold your breath. And there's really no reason not to hold your breath until the end of the meter because that's how long it usually takes for the person chasing you to get out of your vision and get out of the range for your character to escape. And still, even then, I'm not sure if it works really that well anyway because a lot of times while you're trying to escape, they will just see you anyways, if, if not randomly. So, you know, I had some very high hopes for the quarry. I really, really did. I thought it was going to be a return to form, but really all it is is a cheap imitation of something that was way better 
uh, a couple, you know, about what four years ago at this point that Until Dawn came out. And I mean, I guess I should have known. Or I, sh- I should have known, you know, because the Dark Pictures Anthology are three awful games. Like they're like Man of Medan is easy D tier. It's just it's just so predictable and dumb. I've watched people play through the second game in that in that anthology, and of course I'm going to play through it myself. But from what I saw, just lame presentation. Just I don't know. It is yeah. I I, I don't know. The quarry, I can't recommend it. I like the aesthetic. I like the vibe. You know, it's got like this. It's it's got some nice stuff in there. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not good. It's just not good in a lot of ways. Graphically, it's it's, it's very impressive, but graphics aren't everything. And last but not least, I played more Forbidden West, Horizon Forbidden West. Um. I'm still having like a, a little bit of a struggle um, because I want to care about the story in this game. I really, really do. And the first like, I don't know, quarter of the game where, you know, you're doing the stuff with the uh, with that opening area and then you're getting through that opening area and going to like the first part of the Forbidden West. And then you go into the mountain and you, you know, get the Gaia seat or whatever. And, you know, you're, you get your base of operations and everything. That's all very compelling. And I really enjoyed all that. You know, your interaction with Hades and your interactions with Gaia and the characters from the last game and, you know, getting into this new area and learning about the different things that you'll need to do in order to restore everything back to normal or back to operating uh, operating correctly was great. And then... And then... There's just too much... There's just too much. There's just too much to do, you know? I think of a game that already came out this year, like Elden Ring, where it's very much like everything you're doing feels like it's important to the story, right? Where you're you're going to dungeons, you're going to beat these bosses, you're going to these areas, and it all melds together very, very well. And unfortunately, in Forbidden West, there comes a time where you get to, like, the first... Like, I think Apollo's the first one that... Um, the uh, part of Gaia that you need to restore, and you, like, go to it. And it just becomes, like, a a bunch of, like, trivial kind of, like, oh, go here and help these people, and then I'll help you kind of quests. And I was like, oh, man, like, I was really, really into it until we got to this point. And now that it's letting me kind of go anywhere I want to in this big, expansive Forbidden West area... I just feel like there's just way too many distractions that are just are, that are taking away from this really good main story that is there. Their, the core of the story is really, really good. But then you have all this other fluff around it that is distracting you from it. And I actually, you know, I kind of forgot what this story was about for a little while until I, I got the first Apollo seed or, or section, you know. yeah. There, there's like all this really interesting stuff going on. Like, you know, when you go to get that, that Gaia thing... You know, there's like a bunch of people from space there and they have a clone of of your character and you're like, what the fuck's going on? You know, it's really interesting. And then you get back to the area, you talk to Gaia and then she sets you loose and it's just like, uh, you know, there was a timetable for this, right? There was like a timetable adhered by. Yeah, not really. You know, just go out and do whatever you want, which is fine. I don't mind that, but they needed to focus on that, that big grandiose story. The first game didn't really have this problem, in my, in my opinion. I felt like everywhere you went on that map, 
had significance to that finale, that grand finale, where you're trying to, you know, stop Hades from destroying everything again, you know? And um, in this game, Forbidden West, it's just like, you're right there. You were right there. You had this incredibly well-done whole part of the game that was so in- impactful and was so good. And then you're just fumbling it here in the middle section where I got to go to each of these locations and there's just so much crap to do. I mean, I've played the game for like 30 hours and I feel like, you know, 15 of those hours is just me going around doing various odd jobs and side missions that don't really uh, advance the story as much as I would like it to, you know? Just just for um just for, you know, the sake of telling you how it is, you know. You go and meet the guy who's like he's set up inside this like museum that has like uh you know these these holograms that are om- that are kind of like phasing in and out so they kind of based this whole tribe around how they were like it was called like the S S F T ten or whatever it was like a section of the military that was a combination of many different people and they came together to try and fight the robots during the initial war. And they based all their they based this tribe all around that, which is really interesting. Once again, this is really interesting stuff. And so, you know, they're saluting, they have a they have their marshals, they have, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They have all this stuff. It's very interesting stuff. But then you get put on your path to helping these people so you can get to Apollo. And it's just like I, I feel like I did like ten hours of the game and I just was like doing nothing for like nine out of those hours. And then when I finally got to that to, to the point where I was actually helping him, you know, pick out his new marshals, and I was defending the arena from the from Regala, who was the main antagonist of the story. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like now something's happening, and now it's interesting. But before that, it was just like ah, follow this marshal to um to the the this great this great wall that was built, and and convince the people in there to to bring their champions to the the arena so they can become marshals and then you gotta you gotta you know help you gotta help a whole bunch of people here and then you gotta it's like oh come on and i don't want to just go from main story to main story because then i'm going to be under leveled going into those sections i mean i've i've tried going into cauldrons which are the places where you can get like the override codes for different machines i've tried going into those things under leveled and it's not pretty It, it takes a lot of work and a lot of healing and yes i did eventually get it done but it was one of those things it's like, I don't want to do anything under leveled ever again, you know, because it was just so many deaths, so many retries. It was just kind of agonizing. And yeah, that, you know, that that's that's going to that's what's going to happen if you just skip everything. You know, you want to explore all these places. There's a lot of interesting places to explore. The The aesthetic of Horizon Forbidden West is very, very good. The 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 the, the world you go into is is very well designed. I mean, there's so many different locations to go to, so many different structures to see, so many different creatures to fight, and so many, so, so many people to talk to. You know, it's come to the point where I do skip around in um, uninformative di- uh, uh, dialogue. You know, there's a lot of dialogue in the game that just is retreading what you already know, or is just not important to the story whatsoever. And I will start listening to it and I'll go, okay, this is nothing I need. And then I'll skip through it a little bit. You know, uh, that's just, it's just one of those things. It's like, I, I, you're wasting my time with, with some of this stuff, you know, that being said, combat's still really great. Probably one of the best action games of the year. Um, it's, you know, it's just, uh, 
you know, the, the, also the customization and the weapons you can use are very, it's very good too. You know, there's a lot of weapons to use, um, outfits to find. Uh, you can actually accessorize Aloy pretty, pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can, you can skip back to the episode where I talked about Forbidden West. I believe at that time when I did that review, I was just getting to the Forbidden West area. So I'll probably be much more upbeat about it. I'm not like angry at the game or, or not going to play the rest of it. You know, I'm just like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I just got done playing Elden Ring. I, I it was like a, I had a 70 hour playthrough of that. And I felt like all 70 of those hours was well spent. And here I am in Forbidden West, 30 hours in, just got done with the Apollo stuff. And I feel like I've, I've had like 15 of my hours kind of just wasted by running around doing mindless tasks and stuff like that, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, let's get into the news section of the podcast. What's in the news? All right, first up, EA got absolutely slammed by everyone on Twitter after they tried to... Uh, join in on a popular meme that's going around right now. The meme is you say, oh, she's a 10, but uh, she has, I don't know. That's the thing. Like it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, she, it's, they're a 10, but, and then, you know, it's, they say something that's kind of like, you know, uh, she's a, they're a 10, but they like asparagus or something like that, you know? So they're a nine or whatever, you know? So EA comes out and they're like, oh, they're a 10, but only like playing single player games. And people did not like that. And I personally didn't like it either because EA is notorious for shutting down single player studios. They, they're they notorious for pushing their single player studios into making multiplayer games like Bioware. Bioware did, had no had no intentions of making a multiplayer mode in Mass Effect 3, and EA forced them to do that. Bioware made Anthem, which is a multiplayer, massive multiplayer game, different than anything they've ever created, not single player at all, you know, and they've also shut down studios for making single player games, you know, people out of jobs because of EA shutting them down just because they were trying to make a single player game. So when EA says, oh, they're a 10, but they like playing single player games, it's just like shooting themselves in the foot, right? Everyone's going to come out and be and, and air their grievances now. And the funny thing is, the best games that EA has produced in the past, like, I don't know, five, six years, have been single-player games. You look at Jedi Fallen Order. You know, that's a good single-player game. Sure, it has a few flaws in there, don't get me wrong. But, you know, that that's a good single-player game, you know? It's one of those things that's like, they really, really fumbled this one. And deservedly, they got extra, 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 extra worse. Like, they was... It's just kind of funny, you know. You you think of the good games that came from EA, and it's like all single player games: Dead Space, uh, you know, Mass Effect Two, and and even like the Legendary Edition of Mass Effect. That's all single player. That's a bestseller. That's all. That's a great collection of games. It's a it's an amazing redo of the first game. You know, that's all single player, and that's that 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 was like one of my favorite games from last year, even though it didn't make my top ten because it was a remaster or a remake. Um, but yeah, you, you look at Dead Space. Dead Space wildly popular up until the third game, and before they added in that co-op and multiplayer element. And you can look at any of the games in EA's repertoire, and and a lot of them are not going to have single-player modes, but they're going to have you know these these multiplayer modes. And 
it's just it's just kind of stupid. And then they tried to they tried to you know be like, oh, we're a part of the joke. And they said, well, we'll take this L because playing single player games actually makes them eleven. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what you meant when you fucking posted that tweet. I just you know, EA trying to be relevant is more funny than anything else. Um, but it's just. It's just stupid. It's just, it's real. It was a really bad, it was an ice cold take, you know, um, even, even people who are big in the industry, like glad Jeff Cayley, video game, donkey, cat Icarus, Matt McMuscles, you know, uh, all these people came out and were like, this is, this is a terrible take. Um, and you should never have fucking put this out there. So yeah, EA got a little bit clowned on. Actually, got a lot bit clowned off, and it was very, very much deserved. Um, but don't forget that the Twitter account is probably just you know probably just run by some social media people. You know, it's not actually employees of like developer studios and that, and and they're probably just there to try and you know keep the Twitter account relevant at times. You know, what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, it's. It's just kind of a, it's just kind of, it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of an annoying, you know, and, you know, you, you think about all those studios that EA has shut down in the past who did excellent work with single player games and you look at this tweet and go, okay, well, whatever. Speaking of single player games that need to come back, Sucker Punch made a, uh, put out a statement about the infamous and Sly Cooper properties. Um, obviously you know, their last game was Ghost of Tsushima, which came out about two years ago at this point, and they spent a lot of time working on that, and people were wondering, well, when are we getting another Infamous? And me personally, I was saying, hey, it's time for Sly Cooper to come back. If Spyro and Crash can live in this day and age, why can't Sly Cooper come back and live in this day and age, you know? Um, the last Sly Cooper game came out in uh, in the PS3 era. Um, it was, I think it was pretty early in the PS3 era, because there was a collection of Sly Cooper games, and then there was uh, Thieves in Time or something like that. Um, and then we didn't hear anything from Sly Cooper almost ever again until the PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale game came out. And then you look at Infamous as well. Infamous, uh, the last game came out, Second Son, came out early in the PS4 days. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of fans of the original, you know, Cole, you know, version of the games too, like Infamous 1 and 2 and Festival of Blood. Um, I liked Second Son, you know, I, I, I thought that it was fine. Um, but it's interesting that they haven't done anything with these properties since then. I feel like, especially Sly Cooper, could honestly come back. Or Jack and Daxter, I know that's a different studio, but, you know, you, lo you look at these these old IPs and you go, this should come back. I mean, this was massively popular. People still really enjoy these games. Why can't they just bring them back? Why not put a secondary studio on, like, remastering or doing an HD upmake of, like, the original Infamous games or even bringing the Sly Cooper collection over to the PlayStation services, you know, the PS4 and 5 services, you know, something like that. Just just bring them on there. Gauge how much interest there is on sales alone or even just downloads alone and then make the decision, not just come out and say, no, we're not going to be working on Infamous or Sly Cooper games. They don't have any... They don't have any projects with those games in development uh, from their studio or from any other studios. And in the official blog post, they said, 
With our focus on our current project, which is Ghost of Tsushima 2, we have no plans to revisit Infamous or Sly Cooper right now, and no other studio is currently working on projects related to those franchises either. These characters are very special and near and dear to our hearts, so while we'd never say never to reopening the doors down the road, for now there are no Infamous or Sly Cooper games in development. Honestly, with the sequel to Ghost of Tsushima being their current project, which is widely speculated, but it's pretty much all but been confirmed, you wonder why they need to put out another Ghost of Tsushima game after this Ghost, this this um, the original. You know, I feel like the original game had a very solid ending. It was very cut and dry. If they want to make another game, that's fine. But maybe, maybe you know, sprinkle in there some other properties. You know, the, the Infamous and Sly Cooper are two huge properties back in the PS3 and PS well PS2 for Sly Cooper and the PS3 era for Infamous. It makes no sense that they're just going to drop those things and 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 not think about making another game in those series. Maybe they're waiting for the right idea, or maybe they're just waiting for the right time. Um, but as I've said before, right now, right now is the time for Sly Cooper. It's time to bring Sly. Co- I mean, you have a fucking three D platformer renaissance going on. Well, I should say I've dubbed it the three D platformer industrial revolution. But you have like a a a a, a boom of three D platformers coming out right now. The newest Crash game, Crash Four, the the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Freaking KO the Kangaroos coming back. You know, it's all like you have so many 3D platformers coming out right now and are being developed by indie studios and, and even AAA studios. I know Ball and Wonder World wasn't a great success, but still, my point stands that right now is a time to make a 3D platformer, and Sly Cooper fits the bill for that almost perfectly. Even if it's just a remake of the original three games, it's it's time. Right now is the time, you know? I don't know. It, it, it seems like it, it seems like Sony and Sucker Punch are kind of missing the mark on this one. But what you're gonna do? So let me know what you think. Go to my Discord, Fair Sixty Four section or video game section. Let me know what you think about this decision to not make right now, not have any Infamous or Sly Cooper games in 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 uh, in the realm of possibility right now. Let me know what you think. Alright, God of War Ragnarok, its release date reveal was delayed. Uh, Supposedly on Thursday this last week, the reveal for the release date was supposed to happen, but it was pushed back by the developers of the game. Uh, This has been uh, corroborated by reliable journalists Jason Schreerer and Tom Henderson, both of whom have reported that the announcement had been pushed back. Sony apparently has videos ready to run showcasing the game's collector's edition, and there was also a blog post that was apparently planned to confirm that development is progressing well, but no gameplay was scheduled. However, uh, according to Henderson, who writes for the Exputer, the collector's edition is going to feature a one-by-one replica of Mjolnir's hammer, as well as some badges and other pieces of paraphernalia. Um... The, J- the Jotnar edition will be available as well with the hammer. Uh, there has been no release date officially announced, but people have speculated, including Henderson himself, that the 11th of November is the day, may be the day. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, it, it's hard to say exactly why the reveal for the release date was pushed back i think that sony is still struggling to think like should we release it in november should we actually put it out this year i think that is essentially what sony is struggling with right now 
And this next story, which is related, may actually kind of confirm that. Um, so what the announcement was supposed to be today, and everyone was very excited to see if it was actually going to be today. Uh, there was a whole bit of there was a there was a bit of a, a kerfuffle on Twitter uh, when things weren't coming around. And and uh, one of the people who works on the game for you know does, is like a Cinemax producer. She is female, and uh, she came out on Twitter and said to the people who are doing this, "What when did this ever work for you?" And she's talking about uh, sending dick pics to her to try and get her to reveal the release date of the game or what was going on with the game. Uh, Sony's Santa Monica's Carl Barlog has weighed in on the subject. He said, I cannot believe I even have to say this, but don't fucking send dick pics to anyone on this team or anyone in the industry for that matter. They are busting their asses off to make something for you to enjoy. So show some fucking respect. And I can only, I, the only thing I do is agree with that statement. I mean, it's just, it's absurd that people are sending penis pictures to people who are working on the development of a game that they are supposedly excited for. Um, it just, it makes no sense to me. I mean, this, this conversation comes around every single time there's a delay or maybe like a pseudo delay or not enough information is being put out right at the moment. And people just want information. It's like, look, the game's coming. It's not going to get can Like God of War Ragnarok is not going to be canceled at this point. Even if there was like a big, big, like controversy i don't think that the game would be delayed at this point okay the game's coming out when it's coming out we don't exactly know yet probably this year but most likely next year if 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 need be why is it so hard for people to wait a few extra months a few extra weeks a few extra days for a game or for an announcement or whatever why do people feel the need to get all up in arms and then go out on the twitter or wherever they are at and just rant about it for seemingly no reason there's no reason to rant about this shit there's no there's extremely there's ex extra no reason to spend to send these types of pictures to people working on the game or even send any anything to them at all like threatening messages uh pictures of their junk like we don't no one needs that shit no one wants that shit it just boggles my mind that people feel like they're so entitled that they have to have every scrap of information to them right now the game must be released right now doesn't matter if there's unfinished cutscenes or bugs that need fixing they want the game right now you know just look at fucking cyberpunk 2077 it's the best fucking example of this ever People wanted the game now, 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 now. And the people in charge were like, well, we got to we gotta release this game sooner rather than later. Doesn't matter if the the, the last-gen versions suck, and that's the, the version that most people are going to be playing. Doesn't matter. People want it now, so we got to put it out now. And then what happened? It was one of the worst-received games in history. With one of the biggest hype trains ever, it was the biggest crash ever as well. And for some reason, people still haven't learned. People st they make excuses. You know, people bring up that point where it's like, well, look at what happened to Cyberpunk when that was released too early. And then they go, oh, well, that was blah, blah, blah. You know, they give a stupid, stupid reason that th what they're doing now is, is, is actually, you know, it, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's so dumb. So don't send harassing messages to employees of development studios or of publishers or whatever. Most of the time, the people who are looking at those messages are probably just going to be interns or some shit. You know, just like with the EA people, anyone who sent an email to those people at EA who are running the Twitter account, it's just probably a, it's probably some people just out of college in, with degrees in media who are fucking running a Twitter account. Like, what, 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 what do they care? You know. But yeah. 
let's be a little bit more respectful from here on out, which is probably not going to happen. All right, Halo Infinite. The campaign network co-op preview is going to go live on July 11th. This means that you'll finally be able to play the co the campaign co-op uh, cross-platform between the Xbox One PC and Cloud Gaming along with the Series S and X. Um, they posted a blog post saying that everyone's progress will count to the main story, so each player will have a save slot where they can save their co-op progression, which will count towards their overall completion. No Spartan Left Behind will also play a part. When you're in a fire team, you'll have to stay close together in order for the you know in order for things to run smoothly. Uh, there's going to be like a boundary that you can't go across uh, for the game. Uh, obviously, it's probably going to be a pretty big area, but you know they want to keep you close and contained, especially with how the map loads on this game. I believe that the map loads in chunks, kind of like uh, Marvel Spider-Man and Horizon. So there you go. Um, there's an area of operation to keep a to keep worried uh, to keep a distance with each other, which is going to be about 800 feet will be a warning a warning radius, and a thousand feet will immediately kill the player. Um, along with co-op mode, there's going to be mission replay mode rolled out, and some new co-op missions that'll be able you'll be able to get to get and, and get achievements for. So there you go. Also in Halo news, Fall Guys has teamed up with Halo, but on the opposite way. Fall Guys is in Halo. So in uh, in Halo 3's multiplayer mode, or I'm sorry, Halo's multiplayer mode, uh, in the Master Chief Collection, and I believe the Halo Infinite Collection, you'll be able to play as a, or not play as a, but you'll have a, you'll have a Fall Guys bean in a, in a blue uh, armored costume on your back. Uh, you'll be able to have the Fall Guys guy on your back. Um, yes, I have been playing a lot of uh, a lot of Fall Guys, um, and I do have the um, the special pink helmet with the with the cat ears on it. I did, I completed that the uh, the Spartan Showdown challenges. We got a good amount of wins in that, and I think that's one of the best modes in the game right now with the with the balls that explode. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I, I'm really enjoying Fall Guys. Uh, I have played Halo since last year, and I almost regret putting it on my top 15 games from last year, just because it was kind of like a flash in the pan type situation in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, you know, if you want to check out this out, it is available in the multiplayer mode, uh, and you can also buy the Halo packs in Fall Guys, um, which is something that I forgot to talk about, and I'm gonna kind of put it in here real quick. In Fall Guys, there's way too many currencies. You know, there's the Fall Bucks, there's the um, the Show Bucks, there's the Kudos, there's Crowns and Crown Shards and all that stuff. It's just way too much to keep track of. And the XP just is really inconsistent in a lot of ways. But uh, still very much enjoying the game. I, I, I like the new modes, I like the new maps. Uh, the only maps that I don't like are from that Safari era where it's like collect the bubbles or, you know, whatever. And also, tail tag is the bane of my existence. But that's another story for a different time. Also in Xbox news, uh, the Xbox Game Pass app is coming to smart TVs, and you can actually uh, boot up your Sam a Samsung TV right now and download the app and link your Xbox Game Pass account to play on your TV. No console required. Yes, it is all cloud streaming, so you may get those. You may get some problems with like fidelity and stuff like that or a lag input lag. Um, but yeah, all you gotta do is get a, get, get a Sam's have a, if you have a Samsung TV, you just gotta log in and connect your controller and you're good to go, which is actually kind of impressive. Um, I know they, they've been talking about this for a while and now that's finally here. It's, 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 it's an interesting thing to see. 
All right. Elden Ring's director says the next From Software game is nearly finished. They are in the final stages of development. Um, obviously, uh, they, they had, uh, he uh, Miyazaki had talked about this before uh, when Elden Ring was coming out. Um, he had mentioned that they were working on another game at the same time as Elden Ring, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, in a discussion with um, Four Gamer, uh, Miyazaki talked about how you know, now that the launch of Elden Ring is, is complete and the game is, is out there and they've done their, you know, first updates, they have focused more on this, um, this new game coming. Uh, he didn't say if there was anything, he didn't say anything specific about the game, whether it was a part of the Souls, Dark Souls series, Sekiro, Bloodborne, etc. Um, but he did say that they, they were in the final stages of development for this new From Software game. So whether it is a sequel to, Sekiro or Bloodborne is yet to be seen. Obviously, it's not going to be a sequel to Elden Ring, and I don't think it's going to be something like Dark Souls 4, um, or maybe maybe it's a Demon Souls 2. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or maybe it's something completely different. Obviously, From Software is, is, is the master of putting out just unique video games, and when you look at their lineup, you know, Dark Souls 1 plays extremely differently from Dark Souls 2, which plays extremely differently from Dark Souls 3, which plays extremely differently from Bloodborne, which plays extremely differently from Sekiro, which plays similarly to Elden Ring. Um, every single game that they put out is is just a little bit different or extremely different. I know I'm using the word extremely a little bit loosely here, but you know things are different in every single game. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Elden Ring was more medieval kind of flavored. Uh, Sekiro was obviously you know samurai flavored. Um, Bloodborne was, you know, gothic and, 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 uh, stuff like that. Eldritch, um, D the Dark Souls series was much more, you know, knights and medieval as well. Uh, so we'll see what the, what they end up doing, you know, what, what this new project is. And hopefully we get a reveal sometime soon. I mean, if they're saying they're in the final stages, uh, they, they're probably going to be showing off something either later this year or next year. I think more so next year because they got to let Elden Ring ride for a little bit longer, but you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, the magic-based battle royale game called Spellbreak is shutting down its servers early in 2023. Uh, Spellbreak was originally shown off at a state at a state of play back in 2019, and it officially got a release date in September of 2020. But now in 2023, it is shutting down its servers for good. Um, the developers came out and said, after more than four years of elemental magic and spell combinations, we made the decision to end development for Spellbreak. The servers will be shut down as early in early 2023. Thank you to the millions of players who joined us in the Hollow Lands since 2018. It's been an amazing journey. So yeah, I think the game was in early access, and then it was officially released in 2020. Um, but yes, uh, I guess they had to make the tough decision to either change their business model or to you know, make a sequel or to shut down the game, you know, um, Spellbreak is one of those battle royales that, that I don't think it was using the same systems as like the newer stuff, like, you know, um, um, Apex, maybe it's more, I, I actually don't know. I don't, I don't know much about the game. All I know is that it was a battle royale and obviously it probably doesn't have the player base it needs to keep its servers running. So they have to shut it down, but there you go. Speaking of shutting down servers, Ubisoft games are closing their servers on Xbox, Wii U, and PlayStation game uh, consoles. Um, there's eight games in total that will be having their multiplayer servers shut down. So the multiplayer modes for Assassin's Creed 3, Brotherhood, and Revelations are all being shut down, but this will not affect the remastered version of the game, mostly because they don't have multiplayer modes in those. Driver San Francisco, Far Cry 3... 
Ghost Recon, Future Soldier, Rayman Legends, and Splinter Cell Blacklist. Now, some of these games are available on newer consoles, so they, they their, their online status will not be affected, like the Assassin's Creed 3 Remaster, the Ezio Trilogy, uh, Far Cry 3, and Rayman Legends, which got a re-release on the Switch and other consoles as well. Um, but yeah, they're going to be closing down these games. Probably don't have enough player base to keep them running, um, and maybe the ones that have been running have been running on low servers, back-end servers anyway, so... You know, we'll, you know, whatever. But it's always sad to see these these games kind of get lost. And I mean, they're not going to be lost in time, but their multiplayer modes are going to be lost in time, which means that probably some achievements and trophies and stuff like that will be unattainable very, very soon. So if you're if you're looking to get some final trophies in the original versions of these games, September 1st is when those are going to be starting to be shut down, starting with the Assassin's Creed and Tom Clancy games. All right, let's move on to the final part of the show, which is what's coming soon. Okay, I know what you're all about to say. Oh, Yemi's talking about Skull and Bones again. Yep, Skull and Bones is back in the news. And what do you know? It's been reported that it's going to be releasing sometime in November. <laughs> Um, Tom Henderson, who I talked about before, replied to a person who supposedly leaked that Skull and Bones was coming uh, the 8th of November with a check mark, meaning that he agreed with their statement, um, which is actually quite crazy if you think about it, because he is also the, the guy who's talking about God of War Ragnarok and all these other things as well. Um, this is coming from a well-known store leaker, though. Skull and Bones was spotted on, like, a back channel for the store or something like that. The date seems to be set for the 8th of November, 2022. There was a pre-order bonus for the game, along with some with some extra missions and a thing called the Smuggler's Pass, which is probably, like, the uh, Battle Pass or whatever. There was a premium game version of the game. Um, obviously, Skull and Bones has been has been kind of popping up in the news recently with these little leaks, but there hasn't been like an official thing from Ubisoft. You know, it's not been officially from Ubisoft. You know, we got that we got that gameplay trailer or tutorial or whatever it was. You know, we got you know uh, 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 um, a bits bits and pieces of like a trailer that was supposed to be launched or released. You know, uh, but aside from leaks, we really haven't seen you know seen anything officially from Ubisoft since like you know. 2017 or whenever the game was originally announced. Um, but you know, it, I mean, I don't normally, you know, I don't normally talk about rumors and stuff like that, but this is just too big to pass up, you know, someone actually coming out and, and actually being like, yeah, this, this is probably right. I mean, the last time we had something like that was very recently with star Wars Jedi survivor where someone was like, Oh yeah, that's it. You got it. And it was actually the name of the game. So you know, uh, we'll see if it's actually true or not. I mean, if if they're if Ubisoft is going to start pushing this game out, they got to start they got to start soon. Uh, and I think they're putting out a Ubisoft show, a direct here, whatever in the in in the summer. So if it doesn't appear at that, I'd be very concerned. I mean, I'd be very uh, confused. You know, and if they were still set to release it on the eighth of November without putting it in a, a Ubisoft showcase, then what the fuck are they doing? Uh, because the game is going to be set up for failure if they don't start promoting it and making people let, letting people know that the game is in working condition. You know, if they just release it without much fanfare, who's going to fucking buy it? You know, I love the ship gameplay in those Assassin's Creed games, and this is coming straight from that. But we have to see how much has changed in that original form of the game and what to expect in the game in general. So there we go. 
All right, the Atari 50th Anniversary Celebration Collection is going to be coming later this year in winter of 2022. Uh, this is going to this is going to have over 90 playable games, along with a plenty of footage and uh, uh, like a bit of a documentary along with it that'll include things from early 1970s all the way through 90s classics. It's going to combine historical trivia, digital artifacts, all new video interviews, and playable games into one singular experience. Um, and there is a trailer right now on Atari's YouTube channel if you want to check that out. This is being handled by Digital Eclipse and will feature games from the Atari Jaguar and Lynx consoles for the first time in a compilation, which sounds like a pretty big thing. So if you want to check that out, like I said, YouTube channel Atari, uh, and, and check out that 50th anniversary celebration collection, which uh, is going to come out later this year. The Smurfs are getting their own kart racer coming to the Switch in winter. Uh, this is looking to be like a Garfield kart scenario, just kind of like a knockoff of Mario Kart. Um, but uh, let's read a little bit about the game here. Um, it's time to heat up your engines. Choose your Smurf, each one having their own kart and unique ability, and take part in wild races. Start off strong, find shortcuts, use the right items for the right time to pass your opponents and become the village's best kart driver. Play solo or with friends and family should you be a beginner or the most trained driver. Get the pole position and show off who's the fastest smurf of all time. Now, I will say this. Um, the previous smurf game, which is called like Mission Vilief, which launched last year, uh, actually got a lot of high praises. People were very impressed by the game, even though it was like a dopey kids game. Um, so maybe this will be kind of the same thing. I mean, the Smurfs seem to have a good track record with recent games. Um, but yeah, it's a kart racer. I think the most interesting thing is that each character is going to have their own abilities and their own carts. So, you know, if there's like eight characters in the game, that's a pretty good selection there. But we'll have to wait and see for more information about that. Uh, but yes, it is coming winter 2022. The Smurfs Kart Racer. Or what's it called? Smurfs Kart. <laughs> Spell with a K, of course. And finally today, the PlayStation Plus games for Jan uh, July 2022 have been revealed, and you'll be able to download those on Tuesday. Uh, the games are Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, The Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan, and Arcadegeddon, which I think I talked about before in the past. It kind of looked interesting. Um, but Crash Bandicoot 4 is definitely a big W. If you haven't played Crash 4, I suggest playing that with the with, with this PlayStation Plus version. It's a very good return to form for Crash Bandicoot. Man of Medan, play through it once and then forget about it. Maybe even go for the Platinum if you want to. It's a very forgettable game, a very straightforward, not that interesting kind of premise. And then Arcadegeddon... Um, uh, Arcadegeddon is... I forget what it is. Is it like a battle royale? Gilly, the local arcade, is trying to save his business from a faceless mega corporation. Um, and what better way to stick it to the man than a brand new spanking, a brand spanking new game? Unfortunately, the corporation gets wind of his plan and launches a cyber attack, ingesting a virus into the game. And now it's up to you to rise up and save both the game and the last remaining our local arcade. Huh. Okay. It's a co-op multiplayer shooter, which will allow you and up to three friends explore multiple biomes, complete and mini games, find hidden chests, and battle crazy casts of enemies and bosses. So yeah, if you want to check that out, Tuesday is your day. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday is your day. All right. That's it for me for this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. 
Um, if you want to listen to my other podcasts, I do. There's also Film Freaks with a Z. The most recent episode is about Pacific Rim. And if you want to check out my other other podcasts, Fubar Ferret, my After Dark Sensation, um, that is that those are available on Tuesdays where I just talk about everything and everything and everything in between. <laughs> um, also, if you want to check me out on my social medias at Yemi the Ferret, whether it be Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, etc. Also, I stream on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Right now, we're playing Mario Odyssey and A Plague Tale Innocence, enjoying both games. So if you want to check me out on any of those days I mentioned, just swing on by. Also, if you're a member of the Discord, make sure you go and nominate some games for the Game the Ferret Awards 2022. I'm already looking for some nominations there uh, just to kind of gauge what you guys want to see on the Ferret Awards when that's officially announced in uh, December. Uh, probably the end of December, honestly, because of uh, the Callisto protocol. But if you want, you know, if you want to nominate some games, you can nominate as many as you want, and I will pick through those and and make a new forum for that. The voting for that will obviously be in uh, December, probably late December. Uh, so if you want to check that out, just join the Discord. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. Really do appreciate that. I will talk at you guys next week. I'm Ian the Ferret, and I'll see you later. Bye bye. The Ferret 64 Podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include Nintendolife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.